Amen. Well, I just want to start by saying good evening and welcome to Church at Five. I'm Brandon. I'm one of the leaders of uh, this service and uh, just wanted to let everybody know, I like to full disclosure, this is the English service of Calvary Chapel Freiburg, so we are a part of Calvary Chapel, but there's no translation. I'm only going to be speaking in English tonight. And um, I thank you guys for the worship. I just want to say that was really moving. I really felt God is definitely here this evening. And uh, I really feel like um, I want to encourage you guys that uh, God wants to do something in our hearts. God wants to do, perform a work in each and every one of our hearts this evening and uh, in this community as a whole. And I think... We can just be ready, be ready to see, be ready to hear what God has to say to you. I really believe that uh, there's a reason that we're here, there's a reason that God brought us together, and he's building something in this service and in this community, and so let's just be open and ready to receive what God has for us. And um, yeah, if you're joining us, maybe for the first time tonight, just want to kind of talk about what we're doing right now. We're going through the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. And uh, he wrote it uh, to the church of Galatia, which was a few churches that he himself had planted there. And uh, what happened is there was some issues that were the churches there were facing with false teachers. They were called Judaizers. And uh, this is something we have talked about the last few weeks, but they were teaching something contrary to the gospel truth that Paul had preached. And so he's writing this letter in response to that. And his goal and the, the reason for this letter is to get the people back on track. He's trying to redirect them back to the truth. And uh, all through this letter, that's what Paul's goal always is, is to get them on track now, last week, we talked about doctrine, and uh, we kind of explored what doctrine means, that it's not something we need to be afraid of, or overwhelmed by, or bored by. It does, isn't something that is necessarily boring, but really, it's just looking deeper and looking more in-depth and more uh, personally, and kind of dissecting what we believe, and, and looking at these texts, and uh, trying to understand and grasp it as deep and as fully as we can. And so that's what we talked about last week, and we looked specifically at the doctrine of justification, that we're justified by Christ's work on the cross, that it isn't what we've done, but what he did on the cross. And it's our faith in that, our faith in what he did, that justifies us, that makes us right before God. And we talked about this distance between us and God, and that it's impossible for us to fill it, but Christ filled that gap, and it's our believing in him and his work that justifies us and allows us to be in communion and relationship with God. Now, uh, if, you missed, if you missed it last week or any of the services, uh, you can listen to them online at ccfreiburg.de, or you can check us out on Facebook. We have our own page and everything. We're all official like that with uh, a Church at Five page where all the links are posted to the uh, sermons. 
And uh, you can always like us on Facebook. I know it sounds so cheesy. In, in Germany, it's like people don't like to be told to like things. But unfortunately, that's the way Facebook works. And the more people that like it, the more people that will see it. And we, can, we want this community to be an open community. We're not a closed community. And in this day and age, Facebook is a huge way that people look for a church or connect with communities. And so... That is one way that that can happen. So before we dive into what we're going to be looking at today, I just want to kind of pray, give this time, give this message over to God. Father, we want to always start by just thanking you for your word, that we can sit here and we can come together and study your word and to yeah, look deeper at what you at these writings and, and learn from them and grow from them and be strengthened by them. So I pray for your spirit to be filling me, that I would be open to your, your word and open to what you want to say to us today and that all of us would have an, have an open heart to receive and be changed and molded by you as we look through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles... Our text today is going to be Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the first nine verses. And uh, our topic today is very similar to what we talked about last week. Uh, this is a letter. Paul wrote this as a letter. So he's always re-addressing the same issues, but with a different perspective. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. It's uh, a lot of the similar, similar ideas and concepts, but from a bit of a different perspective. And I always like to say, if you're here today and you're not a believer, uh, and you're just checking this out, checking out Christianity maybe, that I want to encourage you to kind of hang in there, to listen, and it would be my hope that you would be drawn to want to know more and to ask more questions. And my encouragement to you would be to do that, to take a step in finding somebody. You can ask me, you can talk to Giannis, or maybe somebody you came with, and uh, to explore that as deeply as you can. So a little bit about our text. Here Paul is really kind of letting it all out. I've talked a lot about how this is a really passionate letter that Paul writes. And here is kind of the pinnacle of this, of Paul's passion um, in his writing. And so we're going to be looking at that. And he shows a lot of his frustrations with the Galatian people. Like how he is so overwhelmed and so surprised at their actions in turning away from the truth that they had learned. So that's going to be the focus of this uh, passage. And always we want to keep in mind that Paul wrote this with love. He wrote this because he loved the gospel of Christ and the truth that it was and the freedom that it represented for people. And he wrote this because he loved the people of Galatia. He wanted to see them get back on track. He didn't just write them off. He wrote them this letter in order to get them back on track. And this is something that we can definitely draw from today. These are not uh, problems of the past. They're problems of humanity and will continue on, I think, as long as there are people. And so we can learn something from this. This is something that can hopefully help us also stay on track or get back on track if necessary. Now, in chapter 1 and 2 that we looked at um, the last few weeks, Paul is defending the gospel. He's talking about himself as an apostle of Christ, and he's talking about 
the truth of the gospel. And he defends these two things uh, from the weight of themselves. So he talks about, hey, I'm, I'm an apostle. I'm called by God, not by men. My, the gospel that I preached was not from me or from a man or I didn't hear it somewhere. It was revealed to me by Christ. And so he's talking and defending a lot of himself and defending the gospel. But here we see him kind of switch gears and he's going to be focusing in this new direction for the next uh, few chapters all the way through into chapter 5 and he's directly addressing the Galatians. So instead of defending the gospel in himself, he's now he's getting to them. So all of that was just kind of his, these are my credentials, this is the gospel I preached, this is who I am, you can trust what I'm saying and now he's getting into what's really going on with you guys there. So, let's go ahead and read all the way through 1 through 9, and then we'll go back and examine it a little bit closer. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I asked, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed among, along with Abraham, the man of faith. So it starts off just really encouraging. You fools, who has bewitched you? And... It's a little bit harsh. He seems to be just kind of uh, talking from his emotions. Maybe he's a little bit, needs to pull it back a little bit. But there's, we're going to be looking at there's a reason for his abrupt uh, wording here. And we're going to go through this again section by section. So let's, let's go back and look at verse 1. Look at his kind of introduction to addressing them directly. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, there are three things there that we really need to unpack before we move on into the text. The first is this, these two phrases, uh, foolish and bewitched. Why, why is he opening with calling them fools? And I think that there's just a shock value. He's, I, I feel like he's like wanting to actually be there and, and kind of shake them a little bit. Like, hey! Fools! Like, how could you let this, let yourselves be led away from the gospel you knew? And so I think that it's just kind of a jolting action on Paul's account to really shake them up a little bit and get their attention, hopefully. And this bewitched, I think he's revealing himself, his own bewilderment. So he's kind of like... I don't, I don't know how to understand how you could have gone so far from where you were. Or 
I mean, are you bewitched? Are you under some sort of spell? Some Harry Potter stuff going on over there? What, how could you have let yourself get so far away? So first he's showing a little bit of shocking on their side of the, the gravity of what was going on, that this was a, a foolish thing, and also his own bewilderment in uh, not fully being able to wrap his brain around how they could have uh, been so easily led astray. And the next thing we really need to unpack is Jesus portrayed as crucified. That's going to be a key thing in this text all the way through. What is he talking about? Uh, the, we, uh, in the first uh, sermon, we talked about how uh, Galatia is quite far north from Jerusalem. What, they obviously weren't physically there. They didn't see Jesus on the cross. So when he says, you saw Christ portrayed as crucified, what is he talking about? Obviously, it's not literal. So this is through the preaching of Paul, primarily, I think but also through things like communion and the community of uh, what they experienced together of seeing Christ crucified. Meaning, Paul preached this in a way that it was a physical image. It was something that they could grasp in their mind and believe on. He portrayed it as an image. Meaning, they saw the truth of their salvation through Christ on the cross. They saw this image of Christ on the cross as their way of salvation, as an image. Christ portrayed as crucified before your eyes. And we're going to look at that again a little bit later as we go through the text. So Paul is shocked that they've forgotten the truth of their salvation, that they've allowed themselves to waver from what Paul had preached to them and what they believed. It reminds me of a quote by Martin Luther, who, if you didn't know, said that this is his favorite book of the New Testament, probably of the entire Bible. And uh, he said, Every week I preach justification by faith to my people, because every week they forget it. So, similar frustration, I think, between what Paul and what Luther were dealing with. Maybe that's why Luther said this is his favorite book. So, let's go on to verse 2 through 4. And this here is where we're going to be looking at this perspective change, where he starts to tone in on his argument and looking at their experiences. And uh, so we'll keep that in mind as we go through the text. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So then there again, their experiences of receiving and what they had heard. Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain. So again, talking about their experiences and using their own experiences as a defense for his argument. And I think we really have to notice that, uh, that direct approach that he's using it can again it can sound a little bit uh, like he's just ranting here he's just you know all these rhetorical questions obviously rhetorical this was a letter and um, so why is this just over the top passion 
I've heard people say things like this, but I feel it's so littered with purpose and a point. And I really like this phrase that we need to kind of point out. Did you receive the Spirit? That, he, he points that as, as, did you receive the Spirit by one of these two things? Did you receive it by hearing or did you receive it by your actions? And uh, I think that we need to clarify that to me it's no question that they did. They did receive the Spirit, meaning they received salvation. They were believers. They were Christians. Paul seems to never hint that they're not believers in Christ. Um, So that can be encouraging and discouraging. One, it's encouraging that we can mess up a little bit. We can kind of get off the path and uh, find our way back. Uh, But it's also discouraging that we can be led so far astray from the truth as they were. But I think we have to keep that in mind. These are believers and uh, he addresses them as it's a fact that they do have the spirit of God living within them. They are believers. And Paul is pleading with them to look back at their own experiences and to remember what God had done and the promises that he had made with them. The experiences that they had. But the question then is this. He's asking, what was your role then in your salvation? So they're definitely, they have the spirit. They, they are believers. But what was your role in your salvation? And this is what we talked about last week. About justification through our faith. And um, now he's taking it from their own perspective. So he's not just talking about it as a doctrine, as we did last week. He's not talking about it only as a principle, but as an experience. How, how did, don't you remember how you experienced this? Did you work in order to uh, attain salvation, or was it through your believing what you had heard? Did you receive it by the Spirit or by works of the law? Did you earn it? Or did you have it, did you receive it through faith in Jesus Christ? And I think we can notice this parallel of, you know, the law is saying, do this, don't do that. And this is all about demands on us. Whereas the gospel says Christ has done it. This is again, a bit of recap from last week. Christ has done it. And this is a promise. This is believing in the promise that we've received through Christ. And that's important to keep in mind. We're going to come back a little bit to that later on. So verse 5. So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So here he switches again to a different perspective. First we had, you know, hey, remember your experiences, remember when you felt Christ come into your life, remember when you had this experience with God. And then the second, he switches here to remember what God has done. Remember the miracles and remember the, uh, the Holy Spirit. That was what God had done. So now we're looking at it from God's experience, God's involvement in the situation. And again, the question is the same. How did God do these works amongst you? Was it when he's working miracles, when you felt 
When you received the Holy Spirit, was it through your works? Was it through earning it? Was it through your own actions? Or was it through believing what you had heard? By believing what you heard, it was God's work. You only heard and believed. It was God that was the one doing the work, and he was fulfilling a promise that he made and what we'll look at in a minute as he talks about with Abraham. Paul is showing them what they already knew. He's just reminding them of their own experiences and what God's work was in that time. When Again, talking about the time when he had gone there, planted these churches. So these were real situations that he's talking about that he's reminding them of. And I want to kind of, I'm going to get to this a bit later, but I want to just, as we're going through the text, put something in your minds that to be always thinking about our own experiences and be reminded of our own experiences with God and the works that he's done in our lives. So just to put that in our minds as we're going through the text. So Paul was with them, and he, before them, Christ was portrayed as crucified, meaning the gospel of Christ crucified was preached and they viewed this as an image. They accepted this truth and they received the Holy Spirit not by works, but by their faith. Verse 6. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him, credited to him as righteousness. Now at first glance, I think this is we can ask the question, why would Paul bring in the Old Testament? Why would he bring in Abraham? Especially in mind with when he, if he's trying to get them to be directed away from the law of the Old Testament. Why would he bring up the Old Testament? But actually, I think it's genius because the Judaizers, these false teachers, were stating that they needed to uphold and to obey all the laws of the Old Testament. And Paul is saying that the gospel through faith came first. That it was told of first to Abraham, who was the father of the nation of Israel. Abraham was the first one to have a covenant relationship with God. God came and made a covenant with him. And I'd really like to get into all of the ceremonial aspect of the covenant. Unfortunately, we don't have time today. Maybe some other time in this series because it's a great image, but the point that I want to draw us to is that this was an image or the beginning of the image of what we have today, of a relationship with God through a covenant. And uh, in the Old Testament, the covenant uh, was quite gory, a lot of blood involved, but now that blood has already been paid in full through Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's the image that we have as our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So I want to look at this verse where that uh, Paul is quoting, and it's found in Genesis chapter 15. And um, before we do, I want to lead into a little bit of this story that's what's unfolding. So you have Abraham and his wife, and they're old. 
really old, definitely closer to 100 than they are to 50. And uh, I think after you get 50s, 60s, you start thinking, all right, kids are probably not going to be something in our lives. And you start kind of settling. And uh, Abraham actually is talking with God and tells him, hey, you know, this guy that's just a servant in my house is going to get all my stuff when I leave, when I die. I have no son. I have no heir. And um, he's already close to 100 years old. And then as we read this text, God has come to him, to Abraham, Abram at the time, with a promise. And that's what we're going to look at. So I'm going to read verses 4 through 6. Then the word of the Lord came to him. "Um, This man will not be your heir. Again, talking about this guy that's in his house. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And here's the verse. Abraham, or Abram, believed the Lord, and he credited, credited it to him as righteousness. So there's three things that we need to look at. First, that God made him a promise. That he would have an heir, that he would have a son, and not just a son, but that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars of the sky. Now, I want to make a comparison here because we talked about this image of Christ crucified that here we have Abraham standing outside looking up at the sky I think we can all have seen a starry night and there's a lot of stars would have been a lot more then because there isn't so much light pollution and he's looking up at all of these stars and God is showing him a promise He's giving him an image, a physical image of the promise that he had for him. And then we saw the same thing. And this is what I think Paul's trying to make a parallel with is the Galatians saw this image of Christ on the cross and the promise that came with it, the promise of salvation and the Holy Spirit and all the promises that we have in Christ. So this is the image of God's promise with Abraham his descendants, and with us, the cross. So number two that we need to notice is Abraham believed the promise of God. Even though it was crazy. He's, he and his wife pushing towards 100 years old, and God says, you're going to have uncountable descendants. That is uh, hard for us to wrap our brains around in the natural. But Abraham believed the promise. He believed him. He had faith, not in himself or in his own abilities. Not, you know, yeah, I am feeling pretty young. I think I could definitely still have kids. He had faith in the promise of God because it was God who had made the promise. And that is the thing that we need to Keep in mind, in our hearts, he believed it because God made the promise. And this is what, and this is number three, that God counted his faith to him as righteousness. That's, so we have this image of the cross, 
that we, you know, that's our starry night, that's our starry sky. We have this image of the cross. We believe the promise of our salvation because it's God who gave it. And that is our righteousness. That's what justifies us before God. And that's this image that he's laying out. So, through his faith and believing and knowing that God would do the thing he had promised, again, not through anything he had done or anything that he would do, it was his belief, his faith that made him righteous before God. And again, righteous before God is just in right standing. It means that all of the sin and wickedness of our hearts is blotted out before God. We can come to him, and the the Bible says that we can boldly go into the throne room, this image of being able to just come to him without any shame of our past, of our sins. That's what being righteous before God is, and it's only through this simple act of believing in this image of the cross and what Christ did. And this all happened before the law. So this all happened before circumcision was given, before uh, any, of, uh, any of the law had been established, this promise was made. And Abraham was considered righteous before God before the law. And that's Paul's point, that he was considered righteous before he could have earned it through the law because there was no law yet. That faith came first. And... Uh, All right, let's go into the next section. So 7 through 8, back to our text. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. All nations will be blessed. That includes us today. I want to read that text as well. That's found in Genesis 22, um, where we see this quote. Uh, verse 17 and 18. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. So even ex- expanding on this image of a countless descendants. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of, your, of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, really quick, I just want to point out that uh, his, all off, through his offspring all nations will be blessed. He's talking about Christ. He's talking about Jesus would be one of his offspring. And through that, all nations would be blessed. Blessed with what? Our salvation. Our salvation. That is received through faith. Our justification. The gift of the Holy Spirit that is alive and active in our hearts, that's transforming us. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that God, that Jesus is continuing the work that he began in us to completion. This is all gifts, a part of the blessing that we receive that started all the way back 
with Abraham. So, we as believers, through our hearing the truth and believing, are one of these stars that Abraham had in his vision that he believed all the way back thousands and thousands of years ago. God already had us in mind, already had a plan and a purpose and a promise set for us today all the way back when he promised it to Abraham. That kind of blows my mind a little. (laughs) And the Galatians, he's saying to the Galatians that they're already children of Abraham and it's not through the law, it's not through their actions, it's through faith in Jesus Christ. Again, something they already knew but obviously needed to be reminded. And I think it's something I know for myself, I need to be reminded of that. It's easy to drift away and drift towards a a kind of a workspace that I need to do this and need to do this. And if I do this, then I'm better. And if I don't do this, then I'm worse. Or this kind of mentality that the Galatians were heading towards. And so I might be the only one that needs to be reminded of that, but I want to remind you guys anyway that it's only through our faith in Jesus Christ that makes us righteous. God had a plan and a promise was given. And most important, a promise was fulfilled. Through Jesus' death on the cross, in that moment when Jesus Christ gave his spirit up, this promise was fulfilled that allowed us, all nations, one of these stars, one of these grains of sand to come to Christ, to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And we've read this verse before. I'm going to read it again. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the fulfilling of that promise. He became our sin that didn't have any sin. He lived perfectly. So he did fulfill the law and still sacrificed himself for our sins. He was the only one good enough to pay. The promise is fulfilled in us today as we believe on this image of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 9 of our text today. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Abraham was this father of Israel, the father of the Jewish people. And for us, as not literal descendants of him, at least I'm not, for us to be able to receive this promise of salvation, we simply are put, we're put in the same position as, as Abraham himself, which I find really, the, the way that Paul unpacks this, I think it's so uh, beautifully done, that he, Abraham, the father of, of the nation of Israel, and us have this thing in common of faith, not action, but faith, which came before he received the law of circumcision and all the laws that followed so we're put in this same position. He, he ties us in, which is a really big deal, especially for the Jewish, uh, these Jewish um, Christians that were leading the people of Galatia astray to 
bring in Abraham and compare Gentiles with Abraham that it's through our faith, just as it was through Abraham's faith that we're made righteous. So, in conclusion, this is the good news, that Jesus fulfilled the promise that was given to Abraham. And I want to encourage you guys and kind of change gears a little bit in the last few minutes that um, God always fulfills his promises. God always is faithful. God always fulfills his word. Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. The promises he made all the way back to Abraham still apply to us today. And any promises that he puts in our hearts, he is faithful to fulfill them. So I want to ask you, what has God promised you? What has God been putting in your heart? What do you feel maybe led to? What do you feel, what are you waiting on in a promise from God? And what promises has he already fulfilled? I think we can really get caught up in our lives and the everyday and the now and how things are affecting us in this moment. And so with that in mind, I want to encourage you guys that it's important to not forget what Christ has done and not forget the promises that God has fulfilled in your life and that we need to find ways to remember them and to be able to go back to them. And so I want to give you guys a little bit of a homework assignment for this week. If... uh, you're up for it. This is something that I also am not super good at. Sometimes I am, sometimes not. But something I find really helpful and uh, really important is for us to write things down. Literally have a journal, have somewhere that you write down things that God has done for you in your life. Or things that God, you maybe he hasn't done them yet, but you feel him leading you in, you feel him putting a promise in your life, maybe with a direct, a specific situation, maybe with a, a relationship, maybe with a, a problem or a, something that you've been dealing with for a long time, and you feel God putting a promise that he's going to get you through that, I encourage you to write it down. Write it down. And if you're here today and you're a believer, then... You cannot say, I have nothing to write down, because we all have something to write down. This image of the cross, that Christ saved you, there's nothing more miraculous than that in itself. That us as sinners who deserved nothing would be saved and set free and transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in our hearts. So... When we do this, when we're writing it down, it gives us an opportunity to be more connected with Christ and his work in our hearts. To be able to look at what he's doing and look at how he's changing us and molding us, which connects us with him as our savior. And not just some God or some entity or even as a friend, but as someone who's transforming our lives. It also helps us to be ready And to be uh, able to be used by God. Because when we are connected with the promises of God and we're 
we're feeling and uh, the, the sense of, of him fill, fulfilling his promises in our lives. It allows us to have strength and to have courage and boldness for him. And also that we wouldn't go the way of the Galatians, that we wouldn't be led away from the truth of the gospel, that we, in any area of truth, that when it comes to the important doctrines of truth that we see in scripture, we would not be led astray in our hearts. And writing things down about God's promises in our lives, again, through this connection with him, helps us to be firm in our faith. And lastly, and I want to go ahead and invite the band to come up, it helps us to be able to face hard times. It helps us to be able to trust him because we've seen where he's been faithful. We saw where he transformed our, our heart in this situation, where he got us through this situation, where he boldly pushed us in this direction. And so we're going to do a song and something that's kind of on my heart came on my heart this morning, I want to encourage you to take time and, and worship God, but also be thinking about his promises. Find something in your life where you saw God work. Maybe it's, and again, if you're a believer, it's, you can always go back to the thing that drew you to him, that got you to say, Christ is my savior. That in itself is a miracle and something that we can rejoice in. But find things in your life that God has been faithful in. And the things that you're struggling with now, the problems you're facing today, the things that feel heavy, that feel like too big to get through, I want you to give it to him and trust him to be faithful. I want you to surrender them to him and let's, let's see what, what his promises bring. Let's see what... He puts in our hearts. So surrender your problems. Surrender your, the heaviness of your situations. And also think on the times where he was faithful as an encouragement, as a light. And again, this week, homework, write these things down. Write these things down that you can look back on them a year from now, five years from now, and always be connected with his work in your life. So let's worship together.